Shall we bow our heads? Father, we thank you because you have spoken to us and we know that you will continue to speak to us. And we know that by the power of your spirit, we shall be willing and obedient, we shall understand and we shall do. We are so, so very grateful. Information is to set us on high and certainly we are going up higher and higher. We give you the praise and we thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Our topic today is, um, sorry, let me get my, love based on the truth. Love based on the truth. John chapter 1, 16 and 17. Say for out of his fullness, the super abundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God, and truth came through Jesus Christ. Because we have seen it there that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And you can see what it says, super abundance of his grace and truth. And then it says, we have all received. We have all received. But the question is, those blessings, blessings upon spiritual blessings upon spiritual blessings, favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift, is it invisible manifestation upon your life? By way of peace, righteousness, joy in the Holy Spirit, and every other thing. They already came by Jesus, and we have him in us. Jesus prayed for, his, for the believers, for all of us, in, in John chapter 17, 17 to 20. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purpose. Make them holy with your word, your word is truth. Set them apart for your purpose because God created us for a purpose. The day you gave your life to Jesus, you are automatically his. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So sanctify means keep them holy or set them apart. Say, just as you commissioned and sent me into the world, I also have commissioned and sent them, believers, into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will, so that they also may be sanctified, set apart, dedicated, made holy in your truth. The truth is what helps you for that holiness inside to come on the outside. 20, I do not pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. And we are the ones that today we have heard the gospel, we have believed, so the prayer is also, you know, covering us. So, but the question is, why sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth? Because the Bible already said we are holy, like we made mention earlier on. The Bible called us in 1 Peter 2, 99, it said we are a chosen generation, a holy nation. It said God's own people. 
so that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So why sanctify them by thy truth? If we are already sanctified, for Jesus is our sanctification, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is in your new man, your spirit, that you're holy, that you're set apart. Ephesians chapter 4, 24 said so. He said, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. You are pure, holy, righteous in your new man, your nature that is exactly that of Christ. But then, your mind, will, and emotion, that's where the issue is. We call it, we term it the flesh. Your soul, mind, will, and emotion, it needs to be tutored so that it will conform to your new nature. That is exactly like Christ. James 1.21 said that, that it is the implanted word in your heart that is able to save your soul. So when we talk about soul, we are talking about your mind, will, and emotion. That is what, it is the implanted word, the truth of the gospel that will help your mind, your will, and emotion to conform to the new man, the real you the one that is like that of Christ. So the teaching of the truth is what will help you to take captive of your thought, to conform to the mind of Christ, that will help you to know how to talk, to forgive, to prioritize God's will like we are being encouraged this morning. It is the truth of the word of God, the information we receive through the word of God that will help you to disentangle yourself from the affairs of this life, to make sure that your, pri your, your priorities are set right. That the Bible told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things we are busy pursuing, God will add them and even more to us. That's why Paul told us in Philippians 2.12, he said, walk out your salvation. Walk it out. That, what is inside, walk it out. It says in Philippians 2.12, the lower part of it, it said, now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy hour of God. You must continue. It's a must. Now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested. That is, let that holiness inside showcase on the outside. Let that nature of Christ on the inside showcase in your actions, in your activities, in your relationships. He said, which brings you trembling into his presence. I wonder why trembling? It is trembling because we don't have confidence in this flesh. We don't. Paul said it right by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Philippians 3.3. 3. He said, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus alone and have no confidence in the flesh because this flesh will pull you down, will distract you from the ways of God and will block your blessings from manifesting. How? Because he, he gives a landing path to the devil that gives the devil an opportunity to make you think that God is not who he said he is and that you are not blessed. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. We need to conform by following the truth of the word of God. So what is the truth? John 14, 6 and 7 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the absolute truth. 
is the only standard by which you measure your actions, your decisions, and whatever. You judge all things. Say, I am the way, the truth, not a way. The only one way. There's no other way. And the life, he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So knowing Jesus means knowing God. So when you follow the truth of the word of God, you're following Jesus. When you follow the truth of the word of God, you're following God. The Bible said in John chapter 1, 5 to, 1 to 5, it said, <clears throat> and to 14, and verse 14, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word in the beginning, and that was what we were reading. Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit was making, describing Jesus. He was from the beginning in all the creations. He said, those who listen to me, they will excel in life. That's what we were just reading in the book of Proverbs. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. The Word was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made, including you and I. Including you, including me. And the light shines, so in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's the light, he's the life, he's the real life, the real deal. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness, any darkness, the only answer is the light, and Jesus is that light. There is no challenge from the enemy that can comprehend light, the light, not just any light, not this one. Jesus, the light. That was why when he came to Jesus, Jesus simply said, it is written, it is written, it is written, because that's the only answer. Say, and the word, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Still talking about Jesus, and that's what you and I have, grace upon grace. The truth. We have him already inside of us. We have him. But then the word tells us everything about him. When you read that uh, John 1, 1 in Amplified, it will, take, it will say, in the beginning before all time was the word Christ. It kept on mentioning Christ, the word Christ, because that's, uh, uh, that's exactly him. And verse 14, it, it said again, and the word Christ became flesh. That's in Amplified. If you read it in Amplified. Isaiah described him in, uh, in chapter 9, verse 6. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He was given to us as a gift. This is my beloved son. God gave us his beloved son as a gift. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You're looking for a counselor. You have the wonderful counselor living inside of you if you're if you a born-again child of God. The wonderful counselor himself is in you, so there's no need for confession. He is the mighty God. You have the mighty God with you 24-7. Everlasting father of eternity, prince of peace. That's why we were reminded last Sunday let the peace of God be the umpire. The peace is already in you. So if anything is scratching you here, you better wait. Wait until you have that peace is settled because that peace should be the umpire in whatever you're doing. 
So God's grace is a gift, a love gift to all of us as his children, packaged, sealed, and delivered in Christ Jesus. That's why we read it in that John 1, 16, 17. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received what you have received. Child of God, this is what you have received. Know that you have it. It's already in you. Grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, gifts heaped upon gift. It's already in you. But as you keep fellowshipping with the word of God, you're being radically transformed from one level of glory upon another level of glory. That is in the manifestation of that grace upon grace, of that favor upon favor. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 1, 3, and 4, it said every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, not one is left. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Wrap, package, seal, deliver. The day you receive Jesus, every of those spiritual blessings are heaped and sealed, delivered in you. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we will be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Because we are, we are having, we have been given the innocence of Jesus Christ. We have been given the holiness of Jesus. We have been given his purity. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with, with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades, you know, like a waterfall all over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us, he has for you, he has for me. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. This is who you are. You have it all. But whether it's coming on the outside, that is where the truth comes in. The Bible said in, in um, Romans chapter 7, verse 1, said we are dead to the law. He said, I write to you, dear brothers and sisters who are familiar with the law. Don't you know that when a person dies, it ends his obligation to the law? Our obligation to the law is, but do, the point is, do you know it? Because these things are in the spirit. I remember that one man of God uh, back there in Nigeria, he went, he checked into a hotel at Port Harcourt. He was there for a reason. And a, a, a young lady, you know, these uh, prostitutes that go move around, began to follow him, trying to entice him. And he just turned around and looked at the lady and said, I'm a dead man. The lady said, what? He said, I'm a dead man. The dead lady turned and ran. <laughs> ran as fast as he could. The man was simply introducing himself by the real nature. He was dead to this life, to the law, to anything about that the law can throw at him. The, Bible, the, the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery or fornication or whatever. This body 
is no longer mine. This is the temple of the living God. The one that owns this is the owner. He's the one that occupies. The one you're talking about that would have responded died 2,000 years ago. That was simply what he was expressing. Verse 2 said, for example, a married couple is bound by the law to remain together until separated by death. But when one spouse dies, the other is released from the law of the marriage. You know, remember at the wedding, it said, for better to for worse, till death do us part. So he's telling us that the moment you say yes to Jesus, you are dead. That very moment, the blood of Jesus, God's son, washes away all your sins and God stamps his image. Automatically, you're considered dead. You are no longer in existence. It is now Jesus that occupies. And he told us in verse 4, he says, um, So, my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, the law, by being co-crucified with the body of the Messiah. So you are now free to marry another, the one who was raised from the dead, so that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. So it's the same principle. When a woman is still has a husband alive and goes to marry another, it's considered an, an adultery. It's a sin. So we, we are all into law, under law, because the soul that sins shall die. And God gave us a set of law to help us. But then... We couldn't keep it because of the nature of man. And Jesus now became the sacrificial lamb and paid the full penalty for us since we died in him. Now we are married to him to now live for him. So it is no longer we that live. Verse 5 says, when we were merely living natural lives, the law, through defining sin, actually awakened sinful desires within us, which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. We are bearing the fruit of that. Remember many, many years back when I was not yet born again? No matter the, 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 the New Year's resolution, within one week, I will go times, multiple times to those things I said I was never going to do again. Because, you know, I was under the law. The, you know, the sin, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the law revives sin and then makes you die very very, very terrible. But thank God that Jesus Christ came and offered his body and took my place of sin and died in my stead. So, I am now a dead woman. The life that I live is no longer mine. Verse 6 says, but now that we have been fully released from the power of the law, we are dead to what once controlled us, and our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code. So that now we may serve God by living in the freshness of a new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we now go by the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We no longer go by the law. Because sin empowers uh, the law. Or rather, law is empowered by See, law empowers sin, yes. That's why for those of us who are now in Christ Jesus, we live under grace, and therefore, sin is no longer our master. Praise the Lord. So we receive his forgiveness and mercy and go on even when, as a believer, you stumble because 
you fall into the ark of God, where Jesus Christ is the one that is holding you there. And you just keep on keeping on. And the more you grow in the revelation of this grace of God via the truth of the word of God, the better you're able to stand your ground and resist sin and live for the glory of God. The devil will lose every opportunity to create an opening whereby he can block you from enjoying all those grace upon grace, blessings upon blessings, and gifts heaped upon gifts. So in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation. There is no more condemnation. The Bible says so in Romans 8 verse 1. It says, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Because what God looks at is your new man that is exactly as that of Christ. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. That's what Jesus did for us. Verse 4 says, So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. We now live by the guidance of the Holy Spirit and, of course, live by the word of God because the Bible said in John 6, 3 that the word of God is the spirit. And the word of God and the spirit of Christ are 100% in agreement. So verse 5 says, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. And that's the people of the world for you. Anybody that doesn't have Jesus, it's what, they, the what can benefit them, what they stand to gain. That's what they're looking out for and not what the word said. They don't go by the standards of the truth that is embedded in the word of God. But those of us who belong to Jesus, we live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit as we are motivated by him. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 2.20, he said there, I have been crucified with Christ, that is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Say, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You just have to take it by faith. Believe that Jesus is now your life. Believe that the word of God is God, that the word of God is Jesus, and whatever the word said, you do it. Perhaps they step on your toes and they mess you up and then the flesh is rising and somebody says, what are you going to do? Are you just, are you just going to keep quiet? He said, well, he said to forgive. He said, are you a fool? You mean you're just going to let all this? He said to forgive because you're going by the real man, the new you. The new you forgives, so you forgive. And people would think you're stupid that you're living by your new nature. The Bible said in verse 21, it said, I do not ignore or nullify the gracious gift of God. You don't take what the word said for granted. You don't take the grace of God for granted. You don't take the words of Christ for granted. I do not ignore or nullify. I do not ignore or nullify what the word said. 
is amazing unmerited favor. For if righteousness comes through observing the Lord, then Christ died needlessly. Praise the Lord. So if he says it, you just simply yield. Every problem, human problem, is a spiritual thing. Is a spiritual, is a, the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, it is only this, the, the finished work on the cross of Calvary that gives us victory in this life. Your conscience already knows when you do evil or bad, and the conscience automatically begins to expect maybe something bad is going to happen to me. But when you remember that this is no longer you, it is just, you shake it off. And then you go back to the world, you remind yourself of who you are in Christ, and then remind daddy, this is an area that we need to work on, you and I, we need to work on. And you begin to fellowship with the word of God, renewing your mind, re-educating your mind, and you get off that, and you begin to have victory in those areas. Amen? We know that the accuser of the brethren, the, the, the devil, will always pinpoint our faults. But when he pinpoints those faults, remind him that this is no longer you. This life belongs to Jesus and he's walking on it by, through his word. And you will get there. But be righteousness conscious and be forgiveness conscious. In other words, be conscious of the fact that you have been forgiven. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Constantly remind yourself of that truth. Even when you're messing up, constantly remind yourself of that truth. You will get there. It's like a baby that is born. One day the baby sits. One day the baby stands. One day the baby walk, ro walks, runs, and then moves on, on his or her own. So long as that baby is feeding, feeding the word of God, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You will grow. You will mature. So long as we, as we were reminded this morning, you take this truth of the word of God seriously. Again, it's important for us to be secured in God's love for us. That will stabilize you to stand your ground and to enjoy all the favors of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. I want us to quickly go through that one. Verse 33 says, Who then will dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his. That's talking about, this is describing you. So fit yourself in. God himself is a judge who has issued his final verdict over them. Not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he gave his life for us and even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Hallelujah. Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love, glory. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. That's who you are. You are more than conqueror. Whatever is thrown at you, you are more than a conqueror. But you've got to know the truth about the fact. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. 
So now I live with the confidence, you should live with the confidence also that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, falling angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. That's absolutely true, but remember the truth. You have to follow the truth of the word to draw that out for your benefit on the outside. That's why the song we sang um, last Sunday says, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure whilst the billows roar. He said, fastened to the rock, Jesus Christ, that cannot move. Say, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. You have to be grounded firm and deep in the Father that you are loved by your Father. And that nothing separates you from that love. The thing is that, God will allow you. He's not going to force you to follow the truth, but he will tell you, yes, I love you. No matter what you do, even if you go to prison, I will love you and love you and love you. The only thing is that the shame of being in prison is, is what you're going to experience. I'll be there and then I'll be encouraging you and then you'll be blocking yourself. Can you imagine prison upon prison when you come out, you're looking for John, somebody, people run through your, your resume and say, oh no, we don't want this one. It's not God blocking you. It's because you have neglected the truth of the word of God, how to live your life, how to talk, how to relate with people, how to do business. But be secured in the love of God because that's what will help you again to bounce back. Praise the Lord. That's why the prayer that Paul prayed for the church in, a, in Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. And may you, having been deeply rooted and secure, grounded in what? In love. Grounded in love. Be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length and height and depth of his love. Fully experiencing that amazing endless love. You have to be rooted, grounded, secured in the love of God. And what will be the outcome? Verse 19. That's Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 I'm reading. And that you may come to know practically. Can we read that together? Ready, go. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ which far surpasses man knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Hallelujah. That's talking about the experiential aspect of it. So when you're unhappy, you better think of what you're thinking about. You're not focusing on the word, the truth of the word of God. They, you know, probably, you know, the devil is playing a mind game, a mind game on you. 
Always focus yourself on the truth about the fact that God loves you and that he will take care of you. But live based on the truth of the word of God. Don't live based on your feelings because feelings are fickle. Don't live based on your experiences around you. Live based on the fact that God loves you and that he's a good father and that he will take care of you. Sometimes the devil makes you see your spouse or people around you through his own lenses. Always go by the lenses of Jesus, of God. That is the word of God. Hallelujah. See, thoughts will always come, but you can't stop a bed from flying across it. But one thing you can do, you can stop it from perching. That's why I love the way the Bible put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't know the, the, the verse of it, but it's in message. It says, we, we use our powerful God tools for smashing rough philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Jesus Christ. It's your God-given right to do so. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity as we follow the truth of the word of God. And in, uh, in ATPT, he said, in that verse 5, he said, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. It's your God-given right as you follow the truth of the word of God. So that's why meditating on the word of God Meditating on who you are in Christ and the love of Christ for you will help you to dispel whatever negative thought and focus on the word of God and you see the word of God coming through in your life. That will help you to live out the scripture that says, especially when people hurt you, he said, and be kind to one another in Ephesians 4.32, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. You can only do so when you're living by the truth of the word of God and you are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and you are allowing what the word of God says to guide you. Not those that will not allow the word to have place in whatever they are thinking or saying or doing. And in again, when things are being shared, you can fulfill this scripture that says in 1 Corinthians 16, sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. If you don't know these scriptures, how will you be able to fulfill them? So that calls for searching the scriptures. And Jesus said, you are searching the scriptures. It's, the scriptures are all about me. Again, it's important for us to know as children of God, that rest is a great therapy for us. It's important that we make sure we find time to rest our bodies so that our emotions will be right because sometimes everything is not Bible. It's a common sense thing that you should know when your body is tired and you give it what it takes. And keep a merry heart on purpose. There are times on purpose, you know, some negative emotions will swell up. I will, sometimes I go to the bathroom and I just... <laughs> belly laughter and I feel so good on purpose I do it on purpose hallelujah I can do it and you can do it praise the Lord the Bible said in Colossians 3 1 to 3 it says set your mind it says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too 
He said, this is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. We have to, on purpose, shut off this world's distraction to be able to focus on things above. AMPC says, set your mind and keep it set on the things above. Verse 2 says, yeah, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. And fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the destruction of the natural realm. The feast there means let it be a kind of, you know, you know um, banquet. That is enjoy. Let this be a yummy. Let it be a yummy. That you can't get enough of the word of God. You just love the truth of the word of God because that's what keeps you. This word, I don't forget the, the testimony I heard about a man that was so sick that the doctors gave up on him. And when they said there was nothing they could do again, this man went into his house and began to chew on the word of God day after day after day after day. Before you knew it, this man began to bubble with joy. Before you knew it, this man got so healed that he had to go to the doctors and the doctors said, well, they couldn't find anything again. That was how this man got healed. And this man soaked his own self into the things of God. This word is yummy. Hallelujah. Say yummy. yummy. That's what the word is. Hallelujah. He said, your crucifixion, verse 3. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. That's who you are. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Take an inventory of your life. What are those things that distances you from this? That blocks you from giving attention to the word of God? That is making you to give God a left over time? When you have done everything that you love, this one is just... Those things are stealing from you. They're not adding any value to your life. The word of God, Jesus himself, is the real deal. I remember that I was saying something last Sunday about um, marriage. And I was saying that it's a blessed relationship. Uh, but the devil tries to make it look as, like, as if it doesn't work. Because a lot of people out there are living in marriage by law. Something that God pronounced a blessing upon, like in Genesis 2.18, he said, now the Lord God said it is not good, beneficial for the man to be alone. When God says something is not beneficial to a man, it's absolutely true. He said, I will make him a helper. And this helper, he began to describe, he said, one who balances him. This one that he's going to answer him will bring stability to his life. And he said, is going to be a counterpart who is suitable, that is right or appropriate for a particular purpose. Because God has a purpose for your life, and he knows the one that will suit, that will balance you, that will complement you, combining in such a way as to enhance or emphasize those good qualities of each other. That's the kind of person that God gives. But God bless marriage. It's a blessing. It is when you leave it under the law by the way of the, way, the, of the world that you begin to see the cause 
traces of cause in marriage. It's not supposed to be so. Is a black, when God says two are better than one, and he said that by being two, that they, they will help each other to succeed, and they will have a great reward for their work together. So God is not going to give you a turn in the flesh. That's why it's important that you follow God, you do it his way, and follow the peace of God. But at the, at, at, make sure that Jesus is at the center of it all. The Bible said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, and he himself existed and is before all things. We read that in the book of, of uh, Proverbs. And he said, and in him, let's read it together. And in him, all things hold together. His, his is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. In him, your life is held together. In him, your marriage is held together. In him, your business is held together. In him, your academics are held together. Name it. He's the controlling, cohesive force. Apart from him, he said it, you can do nothing. But if you gloss over it, you read it, hey, he said we can do nothing without him. But then when the chips are down, do you really realize that and really make sure that he's the center of it all? Paul said by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God in Colossians 3 verse 11, he said, cry in this new life, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. That's absolutely true. So the one wonderful thing that will enhance your union uh, for those that are married or those who are intending to marry is that make sure that two of you get committed to doing the will of God by following the word, making Jesus the center, and allowing each other the time to fellowship with this word, Fellowship with the gathering of the brethren, for these are the things that will safeguard you and make sure that you participate in the things that are going on, hearing this word of God in different ways as it's being expounded to us in the world by different groups. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ, even Jesus the Lord, so walk Regulate your lives and conduct yourselves in union with and conformity to him by following the word. Have the roots of your being, have the roots of your life, have the roots of your marriage, the roots of your business, the root of whatever. Continually have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him, being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith. The basis of the faith is the word of God, just as you were taught and then abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. Let the word of God be the foundation of your life. Then the experience will be as you have in a, that Deuteronomy 33:25. is there, and as your day, so shall your strength and your rest and your security be. As your day, so shall your strength, your rest, and your security be in your marriage, in your life, in your academics. Your joy will know no bounds. Hallelujah. So child of God, you are called for a life of success, a life of victory. God said in a, is it, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, verse 14, that, that he's always causing you to triumph, but in Christ Jesus. When he says in Christ, it means following the word. That is the will of the Father for you. 
follow God's truth, follow the message about Christ, there is no fear at all in life. This Christianity is the sweetest thing. We sing it, so Jesus is the sweetest name I know. It's absolutely true. It's the world made flesh. So in everything, choose not to judge anyone because you don't have all the information. The Bible told us in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5, so do not go on passing judgment before the appointed time, but wait until the Lord comes, for he will both bring to light the secret things that are hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. You don't need to judge anything. You don't have all the information. All you owe people is love. Love people. Be God's person there. Love people. When people are doing what they're doing, probably the devil has sold a lie and they are believing it. But you that know the truth, live based on love, keep loving, keep doing what you know best that he asks you to do, and God will reward you for that. That's why he told us to overcome evil with good. And with time, that person's conscience will come to understand that, no, I'm going the wrong route. And that person will reroute by the help of God. He told us in James chapter 4, 11 to 12, he said, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. That is the law of love. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Who are you to judge another? You don't have all the information. God says, vengeance is mine. Your job is love. The only thing you owe people, no matter what, is love. You can never stop paying love to people. Just keep loving people. Do your best. Live for God. Remember, the Bible said we are all kept by the power of God in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible said it's of the lost message that we are not consumed. It's the lost message that is keeping you. It's the lost message that's keeping all of us. And he assured us in Jude 1, 24, he said there, let's read it together, ready, go. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The way he keeps you from stumbling is through the word of God that is given to us for instruction, for correction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is how he keeps you from stumbling. And he also said, that's a prayer that Paul prayed by the Holy Spirit for the church. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, 21, he said, Now, let's read it together to ready go. Now, may the God of peace, you don't have it, Hebrews 13, 20, 21, okay, let me read it. Say, now, May the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, do what? Make you complete in every good work to do his will. Walking in you, what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see, when you set the word aside, he doesn't have anything to work with. This is what he works with. You set the word aside, you set your life aside. You set the word aside, you set your marriage aside. You set the word aside, you set your business aside. You are just a time bubble waiting to explode any time. 
it's important you follow the instruction. Follow the manual. This is our manual. This is the manual for your life. Like when you buy something, they put a manual. This is a manual. Hallelujah. There's always a seed time and harvest time. What you planted will always come to maturity, and then we will see what it is. You can't cram what is in this world. You can't cram the revelation of this world. It takes time to plant the seed of the word of God and for it to get to maturity. The Bible said in Acts chapter 20, 32, Acts 20, 32, it says there, let's read it together. And so now I entrust you into God's hand and the message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace, which he provides as a spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. All of God's blessings are imparted through the word of God. The word has to become a revelation to you. And faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. So you keep hearing. You can't cram to know this truth. Hallelujah. So anyone who is not focusing on Jesus Christ, making him the center of his life, you are just missing the link. You are missing it. The Bible said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, let's look at that. I want us to read it together too. Ready, go. In him all the treasures of divine wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. You've got to dig it out. It takes time to dig it out. It really takes time to dig it out. He is the bread of life that satisfies Jesus. He is the only one that satisfies. Amen? There is unspeakable blessings in doing your life based on the word of God, the wisdom of God. Psalm 119, 1-3 says, Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are the undefiled, the upright, truly sincere, and blameless in the way, talking about the believer, in the way of the revealed will of God. Who, that believer has to do what? Who walk, order their conduct and conversation in the law of the law, the whole of God's revealed truth. He said, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are they who keep his testimonies and who seek, inquire for, and of him, and crave him with the whole heart. Crave the word of God as your necessary food. Yes, they do, they do no unrighteousness, no willful wandering from his precept. No willful wandering from his precepts. No willful wandering from his precepts. The Bible talked about them again in uh, Psalm 1, 1 to 3. He said, blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. That's where I want to be. That's me, and that's you. But you have to follow this. Is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sit down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. 
they glamorize sin a lot over the television and bring it into our, our cozy living room. It is important that you be mindful of the spirit behind those who are doing all those things that you're watching and the things that are not honoring God. Verse 2. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and in his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. And he shall be like a tree planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. This is the infallible word of God. Everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. That's why he told Joshua, this book, it shall not depart. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, it shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you might be careful to do according to all that is written therein. For then, you, not me, you shall make your ways prosperous, and then you shall have good, not bad, so good success. Hallelujah. Wisdom comes from the mouth of God. The Bible says so in Proverbs chapter 2, 6. It says, For the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He hides away sound and godly wisdom and stores it for the righteous. It's already stored for you here. You have it. You can download it in your phone. Those who are upright and in right standing with him, he is a shield to those who walk uprightly and in integrity. And he said, that he may guard the paths of justice, yes, he preserves the way of his sins. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and faith dealing in every area, in every area and relation, in every area and relation. Yes, you will understand every good path. So, make wisdom your quest. Make wisdom your quest. Proverbs 4, 5 to 9 says, So make wisdom your case. Search for the revelation of life's meaning. Don't let what I say go in one ear and out the other. Stick with wisdom and she will stick to you, protecting you throughout your days. She will rescue all that you passionately listen. She will rescue those who passionately listen to her voice. Wisdom is the most valuable commodity, so buy it. Revelation knowledge is what you need, so invest in it. Wisdom will exalt you when you exalt her truth. She will lead you to honor and favor when you live your life by her insights. You shall be adorned with beauty and grace, and wisdom's glory will wrap itself around you, making you victorious in the race. Hallelujah. So when God says, pay attention to my word, that's absolutely the reason. Say, don't let it depart. Say, keep them at the center, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I want us to read. Um, I want us to read this scripture in closing. I want all of us to read it and make it our prayer before we close. Let's look at Mark chapter four, twenty-three, twenty-five. Make it your prayer. Ready? Go. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Then he said to them, "Pay attention to what you hear." by your own standard of measurement, that is, 
to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. And you will be given even greater ability to respond. And more will be given to you besides. For, verse 25, for whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? The entrance of his word gives light. He gives understanding to the simple. Make your heart the simple one, childlike to take heed to the word of God, to be a doer of the word of God, one who yearns for the truth of the word of God. Father, your word has gone forth. Your word has gone forth. Father, we thank you. You have given us what it takes, your word and your spirit, to help us so that what Jesus Christ died for will not just be in the book, but it will be an experiential part of our lives. Father, we trust you that we shall go here being doers of the word and not hearers only. We give you the praise and we thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Now it's time for the Holy Communion. It's time for the Holy Communion. The Holy Communion, again, is, a, is an expression of his love. It's about his love, about God's love for us. That's what we are celebrating, all these things that we've been hearing now. It's all about God's love for us. It's about his power to heal us, to deliver us. Already we know that Christ purchased our freedom. He has redeemed us from the cause of the law. No child of God is under any cause. If you are experiencing any cause, it's simply because you are believing a lie from the enemy. You're living outside of the truth of the word of God. That is the only reason you're experiencing any cause. It shouldn't be the case for any child of God. Let's look at what David said in Psalm 103, 1 to 5. He said, blessed affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is deepest within me, bless his holy name. Bless, affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits. Verse 3, let's read verse 3 together. Who forgives every one of all your iniquities? Who heals each one of all your diseases? Every one, each one is already dealt with. By that singular blow. Verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pits and corruption? Who does what? Beautifies. Say beautifies me. Dignifies me. How does it sound to your ears? That he dignifies you. Dignified. I'm dignified. Because of the Christ in me. Because of what Jesus did. And crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation with good. So that your youth renewed is like the eagle, strong, overcoming and so worry. That's what Jesus did for you. 
is a time of celebration. It's a time of thanksgiving that Jesus paid it all. We've been liberated. We've been freed. We are no longer under any cause. So if there's any cause, rise up, child of God, and kick it out of your life. If it's a sickness, rise up, child of God, and kick it out of your life in the name of Jesus. For the name of the Lord Jesus is above every other name. It's a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. We are celebrating our victory. I usually add, he redeemed me from, you know, from, you know, from the, from the stinking thinking. I don't think anyhow. I think in line with his word. So what Jesus, he redeemed me from stinking thinking. Hallelujah. Did he do that for you? Hallelujah. That's what we are celebrating. Glory to God. So we read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 23 to 25, so 26. He said, For I received from the Lord himself that instruction which I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he said, And when he had given thanks, thank you Jesus, he broke it and said, this is or represents my body which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. You know, the, when you talk about the word affectionate, I mean remembrance, it's talking about reenacting. It's like talking about reenactment because the symptoms in your body is trying to repeal what Jesus did, trying to confuse you and make you think that what Jesus did, he didn't do it. Say, oh no, 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 no. I remember his body was broken. Talk about the blood. I can see the blood, the redness. He showed me that I already died. I died already. Glory. So in the same way, verse 25, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant ratified. It's confirmed, established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. I, look, I like it 26 in message. It says, what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Constantly remember his body was broken. That dealt with all my sicknesses, whatever it is. Whatever symptom is a lying one. His blood was shed. I am now his glory. So Father, we thank you for the two elements, the bread and the wine. We ask that you bless them. We call them sanctified for the purpose of being used for holy communion now by us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.